0: Welcome to WESA Talks podcast. Tune in as we delve into the digital world of entrepreneurship and uncover the strategies and tactics of successful online business leaders. Today, I have uh, Castianini Ricardo. Uh, Welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me in your podcast.
0: Ricardo is uh, the CEO and Executive Vice President of Helen Marlin Group one of the largest luxury specialty retail groups in Europe, representing brands such as Gucci, Loro Piana, Burberry, Salvatore Ferragamo, and others in Ukraine. Ricardo has traveled all over the world, from India to Argentina, and is considered an expert on business restructuring, identifying new business opportunities, and leading and mentoring a staff of over 600 people. Yeah. it's uh... Welcome, Ricardo. Really nice to have you on this podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about different kind of things. Uh, you know, the the world of uh, luxury is uh, very intriguing to me. I've been uh, a fan of uh, high end uh, brands all my life. Uh, I used to buy every single GQ magazine back in the in the eighties, late eighties. <laughs> I used to have them on a shelf, and you know, in in chronological order. And uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued by 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 the high end uh, uh, luxury brand business and. Perhaps we can talk a little bit about that. But before we do, uh, we would like to find out a little bit about uh, Ricardo and, uh, you know, uh, where are you from, you know, your your life path, Where how did you get involved with, uh, you know, the brands uh, that I just mentioned, which are very high end. So I imagine, you know, uh, uh, being Italian, you're just uh, uh, born with a suit. <laughs> and uh Maybe you can speak a little bit about, you know, your childhood and uh, yeah, yeah. what uh, what you used to do and things like that. So. So,
1: and I, uh, first of all, thank you for having me again. So originally I'm from uh, Italy, Toscany, a small villa, let's say a small city near uh, Florence. It's called Sepolcro. And uh, <clears throat> I started to be involved uh, around the business of fashion when I was at the age of probably 15, 16 because uh, one day my father, I was uh, a <clears throat> professional basket player, but the cash that I gained from the basket was not enough to maintain my hobbies and everything. So my father told me uh, there is an opportunity to go to work in one store in our city and uh, let's see. So I start and I start really to like. I like the uh, what we call now selling ceremony, you know, to talk with the client, to convince the client. And then, um, when I understand that I cannot be rich playing basketball because my dream was to play in the NBA as all the basketball players, I decided to start to, to study more deep. I'm graduating in economy and uh, marketing. And I start to be more and more involved and analyze the business of fashion. And I graduate exactly with, um, let's say, the specification of um, um, business and luxury management. So, and then from there, I started my career. So I was working in a local big uh, family company. It's called Ingirami company. And I had the opportunity to understand how to manage the company, because I started really from the scratch till the uh, high position. I mean, at that time, high position was um, export manager, as they call and I clearly understand that more than that I cannot, so I decide to move, and I move uh, in other companies. So and then I start to travel all over the world, as you said, um, from east coast to the west coast, and I start to increase uh, more and more my network with uh, connected with the fashion business. So now I'm here, as you said, as the CEO and executive vice president of Ellen Marlan in a very particular situation in Kiev, unfortunately, but the business, uh, we try to maintain and, um, uh, let's say, to save all our employers, because the most important now is to save and to maintain their salary, because the situation is not easy. And um, contemporary, I start to discover that I have with this inner um, sixth sense, I call, to talk with people uh, to uh, to say, to be a mentor for some people, of some colleague, because um, I, as I said recently in one interview in Forbes, where I was uh, ranking between the, the top 100 executive manager in, Italian in the world, I have two mentor in my life. One is my father, with who, that he, giving all the time a very good advice, and the second was uh, Corrado Manaresi. The one that uh, convinced me to leave a family, small business, uh, uh, fashion company to the big one. So, and uh, I take the opportunity to use the same advice that he gave to help my colleague uh, in Russia, in Ukraine, in United States, uh, wherever I was. So, for me, it's important the business, but also important to, uh, to say to. Uh, create a good connection with my employers. An example just happened yesterday, unfortunately, one of my colleague of the logistics department left the company for personal reasons and she wrote an amazing letter where she thanked me in particular for the experience that I give to her and the opportunity to grow up and for her to work with me was just a fate. So she advised and she... Hope that everybody has the opportunity to work with me. So I'm here trying to maintain alive the company, but also to help people.
0: Amazing. I mean, yeah, one of the one of the, the the very fulfilling things, I guess, as you get older, is to be able to mentor people, and it, it literally comes up in every single podcast that we're doing now. You know, and the fulfillment that you get in helping other people and passing it forward. You know. Um, you know, clothing uh, is an interesting thing. I remember uh, one of my uh, good friends, uh, he was uh, the general manager at one of the largest uh, high-end brand clothing company in Canada, Harry Rosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I remember this was maybe 2006, and six, seven. And he said to me, nobody will ever buy clothing online. This is not going to happen. And I, and I laughed at him. You know, the, I've been online for over 20 years. And I said, no, they will. I don't know how yet, but they will. And so, you know, uh, retail clothing uh, being very kind of old school and having to go into a store and get measured and everything. Can you walk us through some of the uh, challenges and some of the uh, things that you guys had to do to uh, pivot uh, onto online sales or... You Know what is the first contact? I mean, I imagine you know, with a brand, you have you look at the brand, but how do you get a customer from looking at a, at a cool Gucci ad to uh walking into a store and actually uh buying you know a five thousand dollar uh La Misura suit? You know, can you walk me through yeah, that? And
1: because uh, how did you guys deal? Uh, luxury, as you said, is a high hand so. When uh, any client is ready to spend five thousand dollars for a suit or for a bag, uh, need an experience. I mean, you cannot receive this experience uh, in the uh, online. Because uh, let's give me an example. The Gucci of Gucci is history. So you have to touch. You have to see. Our staff, as all the staff worldwide in Gucci, is. Uh, is obliged, let's say, to explain what is the peculiarity. So you have to fall in love. So that's why, for example, our business in particular in Kiev before the war was the high hand, and I'm talking about Gucci, Ferragamo, Loro Piana. Okay, they will sell something online, but mostly the sales are still on uh, offline because the client likes the experience to come to the store and to feel the experience inside, because the staff is trained to welcome the client in certain, in a certain way, to offer a glass of champagne to talk. So it's more client to client relation. It's based on um, trust mostly, because when you are ready to spend five thousand, you need to have a good sale assistant to assist you and to sell. And is I told you is a history uh, behind the Gucciista. There is an history. Behind the famous um, uh, shoes of, Valen, of, uh, Valen, of uh, Ferragamo, there is an history. So who is buying this kind of stuff is buying the history of the brands. Then for the online, okay, Absolutely. it's more cold. Because who is cooling cool at the moment, you don't know, you don't need to, but to try. You know your size and you buy. But I'm more specialized in the luxury. So we try to sell the experience. And logically, we try to make a business on this experience.
0: Absolutely. I remember I walked into a a Versace store in, I don't, 2006 or something in Rome, and uh, I I literally, you know, had no intention of buying anything. And as I walked in, they gave me champagne, uh, they sat me down, they gave me some fruit, and I half an hour later I walked out with five bags and I spent three four thousand dollars. It was (laughs) like I didn't know what happened to me, you know. But it was really it was it was just a cool experience, you know. And I think that a lot of times. People uh, don't know what they don't know, so to speak, exactly. right? So they they think, oh, you know, it's it's Burberry or Gucci or Loro Piana. They 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 maybe heard of it, they but they don't understand the history of of the brand and what goes into it and everything. It's a uh, you know uh, uh, I even I remember another story. Uh, it was uh, in Napoli and it was a, a, I forget the name now, but it was a famous uh, suit maker and this American came and he asked for a discount, and the guy said discount do you know how many years i worked for this discount you want discount on my life <laughs> <laughs> you know and it, it was a great way you know thing that he said right you know it's like forget about the discount this guy's given his whole life to to this 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 craft uh, of making uh suits and uh and you know, <laughs>
1: but <there laughs> it was just a great. Another, a very, this is the example that I give to some client. I was listening to this story. Uh, Pablo Picasso was working in Barcelona at the beginning of his career. He was already famous. So, and one lady stopped him and said, Maestro, Maestro, please make something for me. And he started to draw something. And then he, when he gave back the portrait, he said, Okay, thank you. Thank you. It's 3 million euros. 3 million euros? Why? (laughs) And what about my experience? So this is important. (laughs) So what we are selling is the experience and the history and the good quality of the item that we are trying to sell in the store.
0: Right. Amazing. So um, Helen Marling Group is is, is one of the biggest uh, retail groups in Europe. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about the company and... uh, how it grew and where it's, uh, you know, how, how did they become successful? And I'm, I imagine you were a big part of that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah,
1: so the company started uh, the business uh, um, approximately 25 years ago, exactly when uh, the perestroika arrived. So the actual owner is a family, Kavinsky. they were so visionary to understand that, that they can have business. So they, um, let's say the core business of this company was uh, to sell the shoes. And uh, I, I like when my owners during our uh, trip, they start to talk about their experience. And they start they, to sell the shoes in a kiosk, open air, outside in the market. And then one day, wow. the owners understand that this can be the business for their life. So they start to be... Uh, to open not one kiosk but four kiosks, and then they started to uh, to travel in Italy, to start to buy the Italian uh, shoes, and from that moment from that moment they decide to sell uh, the Italian shoes in Kiev. Then step by step. The economical situation in Kiev helped them a lot. They receive uh, uh, financial from the bank and everything. They start to be also real estate investors. They found they, they create what we call the Madison Avenue or uh, Via Monte Napoleone in Kiev, the luxury. So we are the owner of the premises, and then thanks to connection, different people, my help or other manager, they start to build this empire that is. Now actually is divided in two parts. There is uh, Ellen Marland luxury division that is managing all the mono brands that we were talking, and then the contemporary Helen marland that is managing other stores. Plus, we have a whole distribution in a few cities in Ukraine where we are selling under our brands, Ellen marland the Italian shoes.: So they grow up in. from four people up to 600 employers.
0: Wow. It's, it's amazing to hear these stories about people and companies that one would never hear, uh, you know, on regular channels. And, and that's why I love having this podcast, because we have this incredible people such as yourself on this uh, podcast and talking about successes that really cement uh, me and other people to, to realize that, uh, you know, it, it does take a lot of hard work. It does take dedication and that, uh, you know, it's not as yeah. easy as everybody, you know, as everybody makes it out to be and everything like that. So that's that it's, it's a fantastic story. I, I love hearing these rags to riches stories. Um, tell me a little bit more about uh, leadership. You know, I mean, obviously, as the CEO and executive vice president, you have to be a, a good leader. So what what does good leadership mean to you and how do you execute that? Um, one of my principle is
1: um, that um, I want to create uh, with the people that I'm working with a good scenario where to work. So first of all, uh, I am i don't have my private uh, office uh, isolated from the other. So I used to say in an open space with all my colleagues because I want to be involved with them. Um, leadership means for me it's um, try to make it easy or simple what is looks like very difficult so that means uh, i strongly believe in the capacity and capability of my colleague so for me two head it's always better than one so i never take uh, my decision even though the final decision is mine but i try to listen the other and uh, And if it's a good idea, I try to use this idea in order to help. So for me, it's a a group of people that believe in my strengths, believe in my experience, but on the same time, I give them the opportunity to grow. So I never had um, bad words on them. I always have a very good uh, behavior. And uh, I always say thanks uh, for a good idea. And I never say that it's bullshit, but try to say that probably is not the right idea. So for me, (laughs) leadership means, as the word said, leader of a group. So I'm not alone in the success. Logically, I take as a personal success, but I share the success with my colleague.
0: Right. Okay. That's great advice. I like that. Um, One of the things that I'm wondering about when it comes to brand uh, integrity and quality is how... Um, do you keep the brand uh, integrity intact? In other words, you know if I was uh, mr. you know Gucci or Mr. Burberry, uh, how would I know that uh, you uh, Helen Marlin group would actually um, keep that brand integrity uh, alive so to speak you know what what uh, recommendations and what uh, what things can you uh, make sure that uh, the brand doesn't get diluted, so to speak. I think that's a really uh, important Yeah, uh,
1: first of all, not everybody can be an official franchisee of Gucci. You have to pass uh, a lot of text, uh, exam, uh, reputation, financially uh, verification. But um, in the moment that you became an official franchisee of the top brands, um, you receive every season a certain guideline. So you are obliged to maintain a the most high standard level of service and um, knowledge about the brands. So our staff before to go to work with the client is obliged to pass different tests in order to know the quality, in order to know the selling ceremony, everything. So it's very difficult to maintain this high-star quality system. It's like uh, you are waiting the uh, star's Michelin of the restaurant. So every season you are Mm -hmm. under exam. So, during, before the war, a lot of managers from this top brand used to come in Kiev as Mr. Shopper to verify if they, uh, we have all the, let's say, uh, we, if we respect all the indication of the guideline. And if not, uh, we have to work hard to maintain, to increase, and to convince them that we are the right partner.
0: Amazing. Um, so, I understand that you guys own uh, um, mono brand stores and you also have multi-brand stores as well. Yes. Um, can, you, can you walk me through some of the issues with uh, you know, having multiple brands in a, in, a, in a store or having just one brand? What, what are the advantages, disadvantages? Is there a difference in the selling ceremony, I suppose, with each uh, uh, store? How does that work? I mean, the, to
1: manage the mono brand, it's very easy because if you follow the rules, you're okay. And the company, the big brands are so organized that they are thinking about everything, about marketing activities, promotion. So they give all the advice in order to maintain the service and the high quality of the brands. For the multi-brand, it's more difficult because you need to have first a very good buying team. So the buyer, as we call a general merchandising manager. So man or woman that is fully involved through social network, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook to discover what is the cool and the tendency worldwide. Then is the job of me, of my colleague, in order to convince the brand to come and uh, logically, when you are going to a new brand and you introduce your company like a leader, everybody wants to be a part of this project. So, uh, and uh, there are for the multi brands there are no rules as in the mono brands. So we adapt or we adjust the rules of the mono brands to the multi brands. So we want to give the same level, but in a more easy way. So. In, uh, in the monobrands, in the franchisee, the staff is obliged to stay all day with the suit, tie, very elegant. On the other side, the guys are more easygoing, jeans, t-shirt, sweater, but the connection with the client is the same. We want to put the client in the best way and position to, uh, to start to buy in our store.
0: Right, amazing. Um... How do you onboard new clients? Uh, and what I mean by that, I mean, there's, there's two, two levels to this question. The first is, you know, I remember when I was 17, 18, and, you know, I, ha- I didn't have any money. And I was very intimidated by some of these stores. I would walk in. And I remember the, uh, one place that, you know, uh, they made me feel very, very good. And even though I couldn't afford anything, you know, maybe a year later when I did have some money, I would come back and I would remember that I was treated with dignity and uh, respect. Um, do you guys have any kind of, uh, you know, training? I suppose to 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 facilitate this onboarding of the next generation, so to speak. Uh, is that something that you guys? Yeah, uh, talk yeah. We always we always, uh, we always
1: uh, try to take inspiration for the biggest and the major department store in the world, like uh, Galerie Lafayette, uh, Printemps, uh, Rinascente, uh, um, Saks, uh, or um, I don't know, Bar- no, was Barney. Uh, and um, for them for us or self so we always take inspiration for them and we try to even to connect uh, our company Ellen Marlena, with this big organization in order to exchange the stuff or to ask for the opportunity to our staff to go there to spend some time and to understand how to work properly with our local staff logically in order to to have new clients, uh, the big help is coming from the brand awareness. I mean, Gucci, everybody knows. Burberry, everybody knows. Loro Piana is high quality. The rest is the social network. I mean, when you are in a good um, follower position in the social network, it's easy to have new brands uh, and everybody are more and more involved. Because normally when we start to work with any new brand, I'm the one that I'm asking to have the exclusivity in the city of Kiev in this moment for at least two, three seasons. That means for two years in order to evaluate if we have the right partner, in order to understand if the brand is ready for this market. And then we start to develop. Develop means together after two seasons, two years, we start to plan marketing activities, activities online, activities offline in order to increase the
0: business. Okay. Interesting. That's great. I just thought about another topic which is uh, came into my mind, and that's counter, uh, counter, uh, counter fake goods. How does that affect your business? And do you care about that? And uh, if you do, what is there that you guys can do about that? Uh, I mean, uh, does it help your business? Because more people want, you know, the real product. Uh, you know, I imagine that that must be some, you know, a challenge that, uh, every brand goes through. What are your, some, some of your thoughts about? Uh,
1: I mean, uh, the fake, it's a big problem worldwide. But um, I, have, I have an idea because if you are a client of the top brands, you are, you, when you see a client that is buying Gucci or Ferragamo or L'European, you immediately understand the style of this client. I mean, who is buying has a particular style. So you clearly understand when other people have not this style, you clearly understand that probably can be a fake. Logically, we receive some complaint from our client that there is a fake here and there. But we just inform the big brands that there is this problem and they interfere immediately if they want. But frankly speaking, is not creating a lot of problem for us because all the clients know that if they want the real quality, the real made in Italy, the real brand, the only one in Ukraine is uh, Ellen Marlen for certain groups. So for us, it's not the problem.
0: Right. Okay. Interesting. Great. So uh, I'm going to switch over a little bit to, uh, I suppose, spirituality and business and everything. So I understand that you travel to uh, India and you went to an ashram. Yeah. Uh, can you, uh, you know, tell me a little bit more about that side of uh, of yourself, and and what made you, uh, you know, uh, jump to the that side of, of, of life? Uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, I you know I myself meditate every day, and uh, and uh, used to do some yoga and whatnot. But uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, Ricardo the spiritual uh, guru. I, I'm not guru yet. I hope
1: no, I'm joking. But
0: uh, <laughs> as
1: uh, as I told you before, I was playing basketball professionally for so many years. And for me sport was basketball, okay? And then I remember at the end uh, or at the beginning our trainer used to say to us Let's make some stretching, and we were stretching the muscles and everything, even at the um, the uh, the trainer of uh, uh, Michael Jordan I saw in the movie Netflix last Chance, they were doing this stretching at the end of the training season uh, training period. so uh, for me, yoga or something was like mm, it's so boring. Then um, I decided to travel and I discovered this amazing opportunity to use the body in a different way and I immediately recognize it my old uh, stretching exercise is the pose of yoga so and I start uh, yoga you know is not just uh, stretching or pose. It's mindful. I mean, you have to be involved. So that means, as you said, I am part of a big group. So it's meditation in the morning for 10, 15, 20 minutes and then yoga. So it's, um, it's uh, let's say, is giving me new strengths during the day to start. Imagine that um, before the war, I was the one uh, together with my colleague, with, with whom I'm doing yoga, to organize a yoga lesson in the office and uh, all my colleagues they were coming and have yoga then i start to share with them some uh, podcast uh, or some um, interview of i don't know if you know jay setty on purpose uh, the Mm ex-monk and everything and i start to involve more and more in this let's say spiritual way just to give them some rules to follow to feel better in order to smile during the day because for me It's so important to see people smile that you cannot even imagine. I am worried when I go in any office and I see all these people in front of the computer and not smiling. For me, the smile is the most important. I remember in Japan, one uh, um, teacher told told me, "I hope uh, you have to wake up in the morning and go in front of the mirror and say to yourself." I hope to meet people that are smiling like me.
0: Ricardo, so what, one of the questions that I ask uh, my guests is uh, uh, who influenced uh, you and some of the role models that you have? And I know you mentioned your father and Mr. Corrado. How did they influence you? Uh, can you give us some examples? Uh,
1: my father, logical as a mentor of my life. I mean, my father gave me... Uh, the best example I how to be the best version of myself. Logically, it's let's say my father is an old mentality because now he's seventeen years, seventy nine years old. So I try to adapt this to the actual time. But uh, the base is respect, responsibility, uh, be happy, and never lie. Uh, Mr. Corrado, I consider him uh, like my second father. But from a business point of view, he just uh, taught me to be extremely uh, professional, reliable, and respect the people. So be sure and do your best in order to help your company and to help yourself to be a better version of yourself. Then logically depend of the education, depend on the network that you create. So then it's a hard job uh, that I did by myself in order to reach, uh, the per- to become the person that I am. And thanks uh, in particular to this, uh, let's say also all my family that helped me to grow and to be more stronger and more confident.
0: Uh, what about famous people? Anybody in particular that uh, you uh, feel connected to?
1: I mean, there are some, uh, but it's like more business. Uh, let's say you know with meet some time uh, to share some thought. But I like uh, I'm more interesting to meet um, um, new, as I said, interesting person. Let's say people that can give me some goosebump you know, in order to understand uh, after a few seconds that you are talking with, uh, if it's good or not. So I'm more curious to discover new people than to to, uh, make more deeper the connection with some VIP. Okay, it's important to have, but I have, it's okay. I'm lucky, but I prefer to meet new people that give me something new, something different that I can use uh, in my daily uh, experience.
0: Wonderful, excellent. Um, Another question is, if you were in my shoes, and you had to ask yourself a question, what would that question be?
1: Ricardo, are you happy?
0: (laughs) Are you happy, Ricardo?
1: (laughs) I am alive. This is very important. I mean, uh, I thank God uh, every day that I wake up and I thank God that that, uh, I have the opportunity to continue to work and to help people. Uh, let's say I am okay, but for me it's important to be alive. Logically, I would like that this country will soon solve this unstable and difficult situation. I would like that all the family of my colleague are safe because it's very difficult this moment. I would like that all my colleagues are happy in their job So they are coming at least to be more relaxed and not to have some problem. And I'm happy when the people around me are happy. So I'm okay. Let's say I'm okay.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Ricardo. Um, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you're in a a tricky place of the world and uh, uh, I'm very honored to have you as a guest. I I wish you nothing but the best and uh, hopefully we get to a, uh, have have a nice glass of champagne and uh, and, and meet in person. Uh, thank you again for your time, Ricardo. Grazie mille.
1: Thank you so much, Mario, for having me. It was very interesting. Thank to Aziz that it's very important parts so for me. We share the same experience in Kiev, so mm-hmm. I am always at your disposal for any kind of talking and everything. <laughs>